0: Hi, good afternoon, uh, and welcome to uh, the Mobile Ecosystem Forum Personal Data and Identity Programs MEF briefing. My name is uh, Ian McCallum. I'm Programme Director for Personal Data and Identity for, uh, for MEF. Um, thank you very much for, for joining us uh, this afternoon. Uh, we're going to be talking about, my guests and I, um, about our recent white paper, Identity and Authentication, today the second part of which was released last Wednesday, 14th. Of October. Um, and my esteemed guests from uh, both XConnect and Envine, unfortunately, uh know uh, send their apologies due to a, a last-minute emergency. Unfortunately, they're not able to join us today. Uh, but my guests and I will this afternoon attempt to outline uh, the document that tries to define Um, Identity and Authentication, or IAM, uh, as the industry acronym if you're from outside the industry, um, uh, terms it. Uh, Try to understand the problem, in inverted commas, as we understand it. Examine and explain the rudiments of the sector uh, the businesses need to understand to enable them to optimize their existing digital onboarding and transactional processes to best effect as well as supplying some practical real-world steps and advice on how they might actually achieve this. Uh, some of the topics from the um, both part one and part two, uh, we look at the impact on business uh, of the current identity paradigm, as it were. We look at issues around usability versus security um, and achieving the optimal balance there to make sure that the... Um, Uh, onboarding process doesn't get in the way of your your ability to transact online we look at the wider question of security and data breaches uh, and for those not particularly au fait with the uh, uh, identity sector uh, we give some examples from around the globe um, about national identity schemes Um, I think we have from the USA, from Estonia, from India, uh, and Nigeria, as well as the UK, um, which help to give um, anyone who doesn't have a good grounding in identity a really good feel for what's important in the sector. Um, From part two, uh, we try and help out with some key definitions within the identity market space. Many of my friends not involved in the uh, in the digital world um, say that when they have tried to put put a toe in the water the acronyms abound within our space so what we try and do is to identify and explain um, some of the key definitions uh, for you um, why they're important uh, etc talk about rise of uh, otp or one-time password two-factor authentication hopefully uh, quite a bit more about that as we move into the webinar itself Um, and we talk about businesses how businesses should prepare themselves uh for what's happening today and obviously into the future Uh, and i think lastly we have some discussion around what should happen to in the industry itself uh to make sure that we have um uh, the best, the most dynamic future can for all of us involved in the digital economy. Um, if your job requires you to think about how your customers engage with your business, uh, this white paper will help you achieve a better understanding of the sector, we hope. Um, uh, and today we will try and examine and dissect some of the key elements within it, help to demystify some of the complexity inherent in it, Um, I will uh, examine the role, perhaps, that government and regulators should play, especially in the post-COVID-19 environment, and examine the importance of uh, of the online user experience, what needs to change, and much, much more besides. Um, So I'm joined on this quest today uh, by uh, two people who were instrumental in helping us put the white paper together over quite a long period of time. Um, Lee Suker uh, from XConnect, and Joseph Speer, uh, Director of Communications at Envire. Um, and I shall be welcoming uh, them very shortly. Let me get rid of our slide screen here. So I'm hoping that all of you can, uh, can see us now. Gentlemen, um, if you'd like to introduce yourself, um, starting Lee.
1: Hi, I'm Lee. I'm the Market Development Director and Data Privacy Officer at XConnect. Uh, XConnect is a number information service provider. We help telecoms companies assure their voice and messaging traffic that you know the the traffic takes the right path, that both the sender and the recipient have trust in each other, and that the you know the content is safe. Too. So you know, that's that's me and that's what XConnect does. Thanks, Lee. Uh, and Joseph, over to you. Yeah, thanks very
2: much. Uh, I'm Joseph Spear. I'm Director of Communications at Envine Limited. We're a UK-based uh, deep tech company and we specialise in uh, digital platforms, which are next generation digital platforms that power the digital economy. Uh, our business has been running since 2004, um, but we today uh, still work and behave like a startup. Uh, we are fairly well known in the uh, in the sector, in the telco sector, in the mobile sector as an aggregator, uh, where our work um, includes uh, organisations such as BT. Uh, for myself, uh, I'm not a, a newbie at all to, um, to the telecom sector. Uh, I've been in the telecom sector since 2008, which I, I realise is probably a newbie to some of you uh, on the call. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, what I'm trying to say by that is, of course, that um, uh, I'm speaking today, as a, like you, as an industry insider. So whether you are uh, an operator, whether you, you are an aggregator, Uh, or an integrator, um, or a brand. Um, I think uh, what we've got here for you today will be uh, of of great interest. Thanks very much.
0: Great. Thank you, uh, Joseph. I'm having uh, a bit of a problem um, getting my uh, PowerPoint presentation back up, so I'll just run through very quickly the agenda that we've sort of cobbled together today. Um, So we're going to talk about Uh, I'll just run through this very quickly and then we'll dive in, gentlemen, if that's all right with you. Um, So we're going to talk about... So the first item is, what is the identity slash authentication problem? Um, We're going to talk about what its commercial impact is, particularly uh, uh, around existing businesses and uh, and what they can do about that. Um, We're going to talk about the COVID effect. Uh, on the IAM market. What has happened over the last six to seven months in terms of change? What needs to happen? uh, uh, Because obviously it's had a huge effect on us all, both personally and and in business and as a society. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, We're going to examine why businesses should care, you know, and the answer is they absolutely should care. Hence this webinar. Um, but we'll try and answer some questions around what they should do today um, in in terms of moving forward and optimising their IAM processes. Uh, And then we'll try and have a little discussion if we have any time left around what what the future might hold, uh, what we would like to see it hold, uh, particularly from a I as suppose as a regulatory and government action perspective, but also in terms of what the industry needs to do to move forward and perhaps MEF itself. Um, so jumping right in, um, I'll go back to the first question. Um, what's the problem with identity uh, and authentication? We've got username and password, haven't we? Uh, who would like to jump in first? <laughs>
2: Lee, you're, you're, you're itching to answer this one. Well, you go yeah. right
1: ahead, sir. So, so I think that it's worth just breaking down identity first into, into three bits. And, you know, I break that down into proofing. You know, how do you demonstrate to someone you are who you are when the first time you meet them? And then authentication, you yeah, know, presumably you've been given some credentials once you've proved who you are. You know, how secure is that method of authentication? And then the third bit, you know, presumably you want to share information with each, with each, with each other at, at some point. How, how, does, how does that work? So uh, the problem is it's not easy enough, it's not secure enough, and it's not trustworthy enough for individuals to strike up new digital relationships with enterprises and you know the consumer is not in control and if i think it would be very easy to ridicule the current situation so why do we have to take our driving license and passports to the post office for them to photocopy it and sign them in in order to then send to our solicitors for a housing transaction to, to proceed Um, Why are too many people, too many enterprises relying on just the knowledge factor to your question, user ID and passwords, are are they good enough? And then we've got this whole very murky world of data bureaus and information sharing, which is completely opaque to the citizen. Mm. Um, So that's how I frame the identity problem and you know it, it just should be should be better and I've not even touched on security breaches, organized crime, the surveillance economy. so that's why I'm itching to start, Joseph, this gets me excited this stuff.
2: <laughs> I'm delighted to hear it uh, leave you uh, you provided uh, all attendees today with a really good um uh, scene setter on what uh, IAM identity access management includes and what it looks like. Of course there's uh, identity and access management from the point of view of the consumer and there's also identity uh, access management from the point of view of the enterprise so whether you represent a company which is b2b a business to business or whether you represent a company which is b2c business to consumer identity and access management is really quite vital for you not only to be able to identify your customers and your colleagues, but also to be able to have a trust relationship with those individuals, whether they represent a large company or a small company, or whether they are private individuals, if you are an operator and you have, say, uh, subscriber contracts with individuals rather than block contracts with companies, uh, this is a very, very important issue that if you haven't already realized is is coming at you like a locomotive train Mm. why is that well because it is the future of the internet it is a new era in internet it is a new era in online uh, relationships and online business that's why people like lee is getting very excited about talking about this subject today and who can blame him In the course of uh, today, I'm going to be using uh, the F word. Yeah, Uh, I'm also going to be using the C word. And um, these words are very, very important because uh, as uh, as Ian said earlier in uh, the introduction, um, in our industry, it's rife with acronyms, isn't it? But I think the F word and the C word are two words that we can uh, take away and remember today. The F word is Federated, if you were wondering. (laughs) And the C word, of course, is centralized. And these two words are very, very instrumental when we talk about digital identity, because whether you are trying to identify or assert your identity as a person, or whether it's a connected device, such as a a sensor, or uh, even a mobile device like this one, then there is some attributes about that device, and about you, which must be borne in mind. Now we're gonna come on to some of that in a little while, just to remember the F word, federated, and just to remember the C word, centralised. And as we uh, discuss together the, the issues, I'm sure you'll
0: see why. So when, yeah, i um, want one of certainly breathe a, a huge sigh of relief. I once got um, pulled over the coals for something very similar. Well. Actually, it wasn't uh, obviously very, very similar, but uh, thank you, Joseph. Thank you for that introduction. Um, I mean, uh, uh, it was interesting while you were talking. If, just before we come back in, uh, I, you know, this position in which we find ourselves, where you know, I come from the mobile sort of side of the industry, and I worked for the GSMA for a number of years uh, on a project called Mobile Connect, um, and. The phrase that I heard kicked around, you know, ever since I joined the GSMA was uh, in 2012, was "username and password is broken." Um, it's been broken for a long time, hasn't it? Uh, and something occurred to me that because the identity and authentication um, sector has become, I suppose, a victim of the complexity of, uh, of online. Um, First of all, the dealings and in the industries that have grown up around it, and you mentioned some of that, Lee, in in terms of the the perhaps more opaque elements of the industry that the nor the ordinary citizen consumer wouldn't necessarily come across, but has slowly become more aware of, you know, uh, the situation that is happening around personal data. And uh, uh, a question, I suppose, to you both, in in um online businesses desire to harvest uh, i don't necessarily mean this in a negative way to find out as much you know naturally to try and find out as much about their customers and the people who are interacting with them as possible do has that complexity made all of
1: our job in the identity business much harder Okay, I think yes is the short answer. Um, When Joseph mentioned the F word and the C word, you know, I thought he was going to say fraud and crime. (laughs) (laughs) Because if we don't get authentication, right, then, you know, guess what? You know, enterprises get defrauded and individuals get their identity stolen. And when you talk about the aggregation of personal data so that enterprises can build up a bigger picture of you to more efficiently sell stuff to you Mm -hmm. you know that that's happening in a pretty uncontrolled way and of course when all that stuff gets breached as well that adds to the problem of you know individuals identities are out there they're in the open um so you
0: know these are complex ecosystems it, it is isn't it and I, I i suppose from a consumer citizen consumer perspective i want it to be easy for you know i want all of my personal data uh withheld if i possibly can but i don't want to have to fill in you know i, I want i want the onboarding and transactional element of what it is we're trying to do i want that to be simple uh, and the truth is perhaps at the moment i can't have both um, but obviously that is the the sort of nirvana that we're, we're trying to uh, as an industry create um, joseph do you have a view on uh, on that issue
2: i have i've got several views on that and uh, i hear you loud and clearly um, you know what you're saying uh, you're a man who speaks the truth to power i can tell and um The the important thing here um, that we must not run past is the the brutal fact confronting us all whether we're an operator, an aggregator or a brand. And, and, And that is people do not want to be identified. I'll say that again, they do not want to be identified. They want to be recognized and that's a key difference and the key challenge to anybody involved in mobile technology anybody involved in um, uh, in, the, in the services that sit on top of mobile telephony whether it's data services or whether it's messaging services like rcs rich communication services or anything like that they don't want to be identified they want to be recognized And and just to unpack that just very briefly for you. Identity systems necessarily will need to save and store something about you. So that next time you sign in or next time you transact, they will know that it's the same person. But what if a system could be devised where you don't have to give away personally identifiable information about you to someone you don't know and someone you've never met. So that could be device-based, such as the attributes, the digital metadata attributes of your mobile device, or that could be something about you, tokenized, anonymized, uh, somehow um, uh, caveated so that uh, people who don't know you, never met you and probably never will meet you, don't know your home address, don't know your date of birth, don't know your gender even. Uh, these attributes, these digital attributes about you, are res- well, have to necessarily resemble who you are in real life, in the real world. But what, you know, why, if, if, you don't, if you don't ordinarily in the, in the physical space tell people all about you, why do systems oblige you to do that? In the digital realm, that's a a really strong point to think about when creating, architecting, deploying, commissioning, and even decommissioning certain ID systems. So, is it possible then to have an identity system built on a trust framework that doesn't give away your personally identifiable information? but is it possible that you can be recognised upon sign in or upon sign up, sign in and transaction?
0: Uh, Okay. That's an interesting question. What's the answer? I I think I know what the answer is. Um, uh, And I assume you're going to say yes, Joseph. Well,
2: if you, if you're happy for me to continue just a couple more moments on that subject. Well, the answer necessarily has to be yes technically it's all possible i mean it really is just all possible now culturally politically lowercase p politically lower uh, a capital p it's all possible it is actually possible to have systems of identity which don't give away personally identifiable information but which recognize you for who you are based on a track record based on past transactional history, perhaps, based on tokenized information about you.
0: Yeah, and uh, and I think, um, and sorry, I need to uh, apologize for anyone watching. Uh, I think for extended periods of time, while other people are talking, you're unfortunately getting to look at my ugly mug. Um, so my apologies for that. We're, we're having a few technical difficulties there. Um, but that's a, a really interesting, uh, it, it's interesting that you sort of bring in the cultural and, and political elements of what we're talking about because, uh, yes, from a, from a framework and from a technical perspective, the ability to do that is more than possible. I would go the, uh, actually a step further and say it's absolutely necessary if we are to develop the digital economy as we need to and we'll talk about you know why particularly around the pandemic in, in, in a little while but um we you know we have to do that data breaches you know are a, a continual issue you know how many of us you know have actually switched off now uh, to sort of, you know, massive data breaches where um, huge repositories of, of really personal data has happened to me, I'm sure it's probably happened to most of the people on the call at one point or another, um, relatively recently for me, and, um, you know, this is a, a, a huge
1: issue. Um, Lee, you're probably champing of the bit with, uh, for, for this one. Well, um yeah, I just want to go back first to some of the things that Joseph said. So I kind of really liked that idea of being recognised. That that is a, a new thought to me, but I certainly buy into it. And I, you know, clearly know that technology does exist to solve this problem. But I did I did an internet search a few days ago whilst I was trying to figure out in my head why is this not coming to the surface fast enough? So I did a search on open banking. And on page one, if I put myself in the shoes of a consumer, I got some really nice um, web pages telling me what, what open banking was and how it would benefit me. And then I foolishly did a search on identity wallet. And I got Amazon trying to sell me a you know, nice leather wallet. And I got some real gobbledygook tech pages. So yes, the technology exists, but more work needs to be done such that, you know, enterprises can really understand it and digest it and and roll it out. And you know, we haven't gotten to governments yet,
0: right? (laughs) Uh, No, no, let's 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 hold that one back. Yeah. Uh, for a little while, um, but no, that's uh, that's really interesting, and I think, like you, I think that the idea of um, promoting a concept of recognition, of being recognised, is a really powerful one. It's not, uh, you know, I know you've I know you've talked about that before, Joseph, but it's uh, it is a really powerful concept, isn't it? That it's a question of recognition. And I think here we run up against issues around, you know, I do remember um, sort of in, in my days when I was much more involved in the, the sort of down and dirty about identity, and I probably understood much more of it at that point, but, um, you, you know, there was a huge amount of issues. Uh, the idea seemed to be that we were going to try and make something that was fraud-proof. And I think, you know, when we compare... The digital world to the real world, I think we'd be a little bit naive, wouldn't we, to assume that, you know, people can't forge documents and take them in, you know, with a certain amount of confidence into a bank or a building society. We know that it happens, you know, of course it happens. Is it realistic for us to expect um, a fraud-free solution? Is that a realistic um uh supposition and if it's not what should that level be and i know that's an incredibly difficult question but it's one that you know i suppose we're we're going to be asked from a from a societal perspective as an industry what, what are your thoughts there
2: can i uh have a little go at that
1: one lee yeah you can go for it
2: all right great uh, so, um, I mean, you're touching on a very, very neat point and, um, you know, the, the fraud aspect is a, is a critical driver uh, for enterprises embarking on identity access management programs in their IT estate for telcos, uh, hardening their security posture through identity access management, whether that's colleague based or whether that's consumer or customer based. Uh, and there's obviously uh, the proliferation of uh, authenticators, um, which are digital in nature, to for you to use off your mobile device to prove yes it's really me, yes it's me today, and yes it was me yesterday. So you know some of the some of the leading authenticators. Um, you know, uh, Ian, you mentioned GSMA, fantastic authenticator uh, from GSMA called Mobile Connect that you worked on. Um, that sits alongside, and, and in my opinion, you know, is a is a standout uh, winner for mobile operators, uh, brands, and aggregators to really consider how best to use that technology, uh, based on all of the academic work, all of the research work, all the applied uh, work that's gone on um, behind Mobile Connect. And um, I know that a number of uh, telcos, uh, mobile operators, use that today. Uh, It's not the only one on the market, it's fair to say, but it is a a very, very substantial tool, one that people should, um, in my opinion, should really consider. Um, The fraud aspect uh, is uh, ever-present. It's uh, it's really an arms race. Um, You can um, harden your security posture with a number of security rings. Uh, You are um, having to do that, confronting the very real need to expose some of your IT systems to the outside world, usually to members of your supply chain, uh, and therefore out into your customer community as well. So um, the proliferation again of uh, systems of of, uh, connectivity, which are application programmable interfaces, APIs, um, they need to be gatewayed, they need to be uh, securitized, uh, and uh, there's different methods and methodologies behind those things as well. Uh, in terms of uh, the impact of fraud, um, well, all I can say really there is, it depends on what trust game you're playing and what trust game you're prepared to play. Uh, the um, malicious uh, people with malicious intent who commit fraudulent activity using mobile devices, um they will always uh, work to outsmart you, regardless of what technology barriers you place in their way, um, but uh, because fraud is very lucrative, and um, I think to take the sting out of that uh, is not just a technical exercise it needs a societal change, um, mm-hmm. which is a, another reason why um, for today, specifically for today, I want to really commend uh, mobile ecosystem forum mef for its vision to publish uh, two white papers on this subject. I think um, the CEO, Dario, has really got the bit between his teeth on this. And uh, to his very great credit, uh, he's running with that. And uh, program leaders like you, Ian, um, you know, you've orchestrated and you've, um, you've brought about uh, a white paper like this, or these two white papers. And if you just have a quick look in your chat, you can see uh, links to the, uh, both white papers there for you today. Uh, these white papers i mean in our industry there's uh, there's no shortage of white papers are there uh, but these white papers these two white papers uh really distinguish themselves by their relevance by their timeliness and by the precision I'm talking about um this very very important subject which as i said in my introduction is a future subject but it's now also it's right at you now it's coming at you like a locomotive if you're not aware of it
0: already. Great. Thank you, Joseph. Um, Obviously the fraud issue, you know, and it's perhaps a fool's errand to to wish that, you know, we'll have a a fraud-proof future, either from a technical or from a regulatory perspective, but um, surely huge repositories of individuals' personal data you know, lying within companies um, whose core activity is not the protection and um, the protection of, uh, of their customers' personal data. It's not their day-to-day business. Uh, um, so Lee, um, what needs to happen for us to to sort of move away from that?
1: So, so I, I mean, I, I'll frame what some of Joseph said a little bit different before I come on to that. and And I think, it comes down to enterprises having a process of evaluating risk at the heart of their business and that's not only risk for them but the risk of their customers so thinking about what harm will come to the business what harm will come to their customers and the likelihood of that has to underpin you know methods of managing identity whether it's proving who each other are or what methods of authentication you use i think things like gdpr you know you play a role in opening enterprises minds to that you know as do things like you know iso 27001 mm. just to go back to the point about for free world uh, or no there's always going to be crime and fraud, right? But I think in terms of security, there's an awful lot of low-hanging fruit on the table to improve it. You've you've hinted at this a couple of times, you know, in, in your kind of interjections, and that is you can't just rely on knowledge factors. Let's introduce some two FA. So SMS one-time passwords, great, great example. Um, the press kind of attacked them. But you know, every enterprise that's introduced SMS OTP has seen a massive reduction in in identity theft and account takeover. Um, It's only where perhaps those SMS one time passwords have been used inappropriately like to protect people's crypto wallets with hundreds of thousands of dollars worth on. for me, that's just a demonstration that the enterprise has not done a proper um, risk assessment. Mm-hmm. Very much so. So, so, so you talked, you, you asked me the question about you know, all these companies collecting information about individuals, and of course, those individuals aren't front and center in those enterprises' minds. Well, hopefully GDPR changes that. My worry is that supervisory authorities don't have enough teeth um, because we've seen very few fines. Um, Of course, British Airways got their fine reduced in the last couple of weeks from 187 million to 20 million, and that is the biggest fine handed out by the UK authorities. Um, Yet we know there's lots of odd behaviour going on. And it wasn't so long ago that you know on the front page of the Sunday Times was talking about the Department of Education leaking data to bureaus so that they could onboard gambling companies, so mm-hmm. gambling companies could onboard new customers easier. So I think there's a lot of shakeout um, in that world to come. Um, you know the ad tech world you know that is still aggregating information about us because the whole cookie consent thing has just made it very difficult for us to say no how many buttons do you want to press to say i don't want to be tracked <laughs> it's so- yeah it's an, it's an interesting use of um the
0: user experience isn't it uh, sorry I'm i'm getting a bit of lock here i'm hoping you can hear me um it's an interesting use of the the user experience to discourage you from um asserting your rights around cookies you know it's like you know we're not born yesterday it's obvious what people are doing and yet and that's obviously not in the spirit of
1: gdpr and yet it's the norm now isn't it yeah I, I, absolutely You know, we're all spending more time at home in this kind of post-COVID world. We've all got our guards down a little bit because we're in our homes. We're doing more online. Um, We're experiencing more fraud risks and security risks and identity theft risks. So it feels to me that in a post-COVID, post-GDPR world, we're actually at at more risk as individuals than, than less.
0: So that's a lovely little segue into our next item. Um, what has been the COVID, nine, COVID effect uh, on uh, identity and authentication? You know, what we're talking about here. Now this, uh, for any listeners who will be struggling to find mention of this in the white paper, although we do allude to the pandemic, we don't talk about it in a huge amount of detail. Perhaps we can, we can address that a little bit here. What's been the effect? What have you guys seen that has interested you, made you feel positive, frightened the life out of you? What's uh, what, 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 what's been your view, Joseph? Can we start with you?
2: Yeah, sure. Well, there's been there's been a rush to digital, hasn't there? Quite quite frankly, and uh, people who never realised that they needed a digital channel certainly do now, because of um, you know. Well, there's nobody left in the corporate headquarters anymore. Uh, or very few, they're all working from home. And um, I think it was Microsoft uh, just uh, within the last forty eight, seventy two hours or so, um, made an announcement that everyone can work from home permanently. I mean, you know if you're looking for shift change, that's it, isn't it? and and that's and what what's brought that about? well, the the global pandemic has you know has has changed everything. And so the you know the shift to digital, uh, if you weren't already embarking on a on a digital strategy, digital program uh, within your organisation, uh, you are now, and sure, uh, yeah. part of that is uh, digital identity, digital authentication, digital verification of uh, of the people that you that you trade with, whether those people are upstream from you in terms of uh, trade suppliers or whether they're downstream from you in terms of uh, partners in terms of customers um, you need to you need to work with them on a digital on a digital basis Uh, you don't want to see your revenue streams fall off the cliff you don't want to uh, stymie or stifle your supply chain Um, so you have to necessarily now find a digital route for it for it and that necessitates a, a a a mind shift which is why I talked about earlier, the societal change and the cultural change, a mind shift toward digital that maybe wasn't there before.
0: Yeah, and this whole idea that um, uh, Lee and I had a conversation, was it earlier today or yesterday, you know, about w- what that means for, a, uh, you know, the, what, for, what it means in terms of, you know, working from home, you know, because we don't have that hour, hour and a quarter, hour and a half, that we would normally spend travelling you know there are i suppose there are different issues around it you know we perhaps we don't get the time to switch off as much as we used to but also the fact that um what does that do to our um our sort of our work rate our being aware of security issues you know that um, perhaps might be uh, might be easier to uphold in a sort of office situation when you've got a completely um, a a diaspora of a workforce um lee perhaps you can explain now conversation a little bit better
1: i I, I think that you know the enterprise can't rely on the security infrastructure of the network right because they can't control necessarily the endpoints and when we're sitting at home working, we would, I think we are in a different mode. Um, I kind of, I was thinking about the, you know, the old fashioned double glazing salesman, the pressure salesman that came to your house, and made you, made you feel like an alien in your own home. Yeah, And make you vulnerable, do things that you wouldn't ordinarily do if you went to them to, to go shopping, right? So I do think we are vulnerable to the risks we face more so and of course we're we're doing more but at the same time i don't want to paint a bleak picture because i think there is good good progress you know we we see the rise of 2fa sms otp we talked about that but we also see the rise of secure authenticators on our phone some of these some of those are using time-based codes some are using kind of biometrics that that, that's all great progress. And you know I used the example of um, recently, actually, my wife going to the post office with, with her passport and driving license. That is changing. We're seeing some great digital proofing um, technology. Um, you know, gov.verify is much derided, but actually has a really nice user experience to get a secure authenticator on your phone. Which has taken a picture of your passport and or your driving license and and, and checked that that was valid. Um, but, you know those are obviously for very highly secure applications. But I think there is promise. Where I'm less um, confident is how proofing, authentication, and data sharing all ties together in one solution. I think. There's a long way to go, we have to solve that. If we don't, not everybody is gonna be able to digitize. We're gonna leave mum and pup shops out of the market, we're gonna make our economies vulnerable to monopolistic behavior, i.e. the guys that are big enough and got deep enough pockets to own identity for themselves. So, you know, I'm talking about the US, you know, Californian giants, technology giants. So I think this period, next 12 months is crucial. And um, let me sort of go a little bit off piece here.
0: So what needs to happen from a from an industry perspective? So in terms of, I mean, it's my feeling that, you know, governments um, and to a lesser extent regulators, I think regulators have a hugely important role to play certainly my um the last 20 years you know that i spent in mobile have been interacting with uh um regulatory bodies both here and in eastern europe and western europe and russian federation and it's been i have to say largely a really positive experience but my feeling is that government has to take a Firm lead here. And, you know, we have had some, uh, how should we say, there was a consultation with the DCMS uh, a few months ago um, that was reported back on uh, in the last sort of month or so that was not particularly warmly received by industry. It felt as though they hadn't really taken it seriously. And um, we, you know, we are an industry in need of. Um, direction not sorry that actually that's not true we we have direction we know pretty much I think which way we should go but for it to be enabled quickly and ubiquitously and I think that's uh, probably plays to the point that you make um, Lee you know about digital inclusion we need to include everybody in this it's everybody or nobody because otherwise, you know, you, 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 well, you, you, you'll end up with inequalities uh, and we know where that leads. So um, how do we get government to play ball with this? Uh, have you, you guys got any views on how best we do this?
2: Sure, I'll chip in there. Is that Okay. So uh, <laughs> we're coming on to the, uh, the wonderful world of public sector of government, of central government, uh, in this conversation, which is, a, which is a, a minefield all of its own, isn't it? But um, uh, we've, got to, we've absolutely got to solve a, uh, a critical uh, question, uh, which is, uh, well, I've used the words before in this conversation, which is the F word and the C word, right? So the F word being federated, and the c word being centralized so it's a versus right it's a it's not a game of two halves but it's a but it's a it's a um it's a competitive game um is the future federated is the future centralized now if you look at a program such as um uh, gov.uk verify that lee mentioned a, a few moments ago um It's based on uh, a particular level of authentication or level of assurance actually, uh, which is quite high. And uh, which is the reason why you have to go through something like 52 screens or something like that to get signed up, um, which is um, a little bit odd. It it, it gets a mixed reception, doesn't it? And if you are looking to uh, onboard someone um, for a use once per year, uh, then okay people will go through that if they want to be able to submit for example their tax in in a digital way rather than submitting uh, 52, 52 pages or whatever it is of a tax return. Um, so that's a main driver and there's always a spike uh, funnily enough towards 31st of January uh, each year where signups to a program like gov.uk verify uh, well it does it, it just spikes it's just a matter of fact. But um, I think it it exemplifies the situation that uh, that is a a part of the problematic, and that is the frequency of use. So um, if you're just using a a mechanism, call it verify mechanism, once per year to do your tax, uh, you will go through the pain of signing up and signing on. But if you want to do something, if you want to transact on a quarterly basis, it's a bit different, isn't it? If you want to transact and do something on a monthly or on a weekly basis, that's different again. But what about if you want to do something daily? Now, um, you know, the the social media um, giants amongst us have absolutely nailed this in terms of how easy it is to get on board their platform. So they've probably learned a thing or two about being able to identify, authenticate and authorize somebody coming onto their platform. Maybe there's some clues there for us. Maybe there's some indicators there that um, the mobile industry can can think about as well, where you have to identify who this subscriber is uh, or who this uh, target is, if it's an outbound comms piece, for example, with RCS. Um, uh, Are they authenticated to receive this information? Uh, And uh, are we authorised to send it to them? And are they authorised to send something back to us and have a bilateral two-way conversation with us? Maybe even buy something from us. That presents a completely different angle, doesn't it? On on the role and the importance of identity. Because you seriously do not want to uh, mess up your revenue stream. And that's a really critical aspect of of what we're talking about here. So let me just just throw a couple of numbers at you. Uh, DCMS, you mentioned that a a couple of moments ago. Uh, DCMS uh, in February 2020, they released some numbers which quantified the role or the contribution of uh, the digital sector to the UK economy. 400 million pounds per day was the number that they put on it. Which is one hundred and forty nine billion in 2018, which was the figures at the year where the figures were most uh, uh, most available, so what is that that's seven over seven and a half just over seven and a half percent of the uk economy. so think about that for a moment. The digital sector accounts for seven and a half percent of the total uk economy. if we can get Digital identity right that will um, spur an adoption of digital ID, and that will see a growth in uh, the, a growth in the adoption of digital ID will have a positive impact on the digital economy, and because we all participate in the UK digital economy, that will be good for business, whether you are an operator, whether you are an aggregator, or whether you are a brand.
0: Okay. Lee, um do you agree with my statement about government, and if so, what do we do about it?
1: Um, yeah look, i i'm I'm slightly worried that you know the governments of today have bigger problems on their yeah. hands and probably won't give this the the attention it deserves. So I think it has to be the role of enterprises to to get this right. And, of course, if they don't get it right, they're leaving money on the table. You know, I I have two parents that have stopped online banking because they don't trust it. They've converted to checkbook and pen, not the blankety-blank checkbook and pen, the real checkbook and pen, and they queue up at the bank. So not, Not the first time I've heard that. The, the digital divide is is happening now. It's not lessening, it's getting worse. And as companies have to rush to digitise, I, I, I would hate to, well, I know it's large, don't have the facts, but a large proportion of all economies are small businesses with less than five people. They do not have the knowledge and expertise to, to build secure e-commerce systems with privacy and identity at its heart. We have to make it easy for them because if we don't, our our economy is going to be dominated by large players and we'll just get monopolistic behaviour. So I'm not hopeful that governments can can help here because they're too focused on saving people's lives quite frankly right now or not depending on your opinions. (laughs) Um, So yeah. Yeah.
0: I, mean, okay. I, I I it is interesting and I, I I get that I think um you know this is not it's not a government bashing session that's not what it's about you know as I think as Joji pointed out gov.uk gov, or verified you know by gov.uk is actually a really robust um sign on system but it's uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a, a sledgehammer to crack a walnut in certain in much of the online uh, you know transactional stuff that we do um it, you know the uh, the way that the um the onboarding works you know people talked about the biometric system is terrific it, it, it it's amazing the way that it works but um i think what is clear is government are not going to be able to solve this problem on their own and i have heard rumblings that they think that possibly they can they can. So what I would say is, you know, the industry is here. The industry of which we are a part have so much experience in this going back, you know, 20, 25 years that um, it, you know the solution lies here. And I think one thing that we can do, and I think one thing that uh, that MEF can certainly do is to talk to government about um, uh, in partnership with other organisations, you know, I sit on the board of uh, a review uh, panel for um, uh, certain activities within OIX, and Joseph, obviously, M-Bine, are very involved with OIX as well. It's up to us, really, as you know, industry spokespeople, to speak to the government and find out what it is they can do. You know, one constant request from the industry is that the government make available. Um, digital versions or copies or the ability to be able to verify those um, of uh, source documentation like passports like national insurance numbers like birth certificates this seems like basic stuff doesn't it and I think the industry could do so much more if in the UK and obviously we're talking a bit about the UK today apologies for our uh, our, our visitors uh, from elsewhere um, but, um, you know, government uh, sort of hold a lot of the documentation that is of use to approved um, in, in identity um, providers. So, anyway, sorry, I'm, uh, I'm rambling, rambling a little bit there, and we've gone a little bit off the agenda. My apologies for that. Um, I'd like to, in, in the last sort of few minutes that we've got, it's not the final one but i think a really important one and for you know any uh, anyone from a, a brand you know or an ent- online enterprise who's uh who's joined us today what do business what should businesses do today to bolster and optimize their uh identity and authentication processes you know i've i've uh i've onboarded couple of new accounts uh recently and getting presented with capture pictures over and over again, you know, seemed like a really clunky user experience. Uh, I was, you know, I wasn't particularly impressed. Um I wasn't able actually to do it very well. Um and uh maybe that's because I'm a bit of an old gimmer, but I don't think so. I'm quite tech savvy. Um, what should what should the businesses, um, online businesses, on this call, do today uh, to to really make a difference? Lee,
1: can I start with you with that? Yeah, happy to. So I, I think there are lots of takeaways from you know processes like ISO twenty seven thousand and one, right? Security set of processes which all businesses should start to become familiar with to to address, you know, the security problem. Notice I didn't say identity, (laughs) focusing on security right now. Um, I think there's lots of low hanging fruit with authentication. So if you're just relying on knowledge factors, very simple, get some 2FA, use SMS, your customer base is trained and ready. Think about your supply chains end to end. And then train your staff and train your customers. Those would be the four things that you know, I would advise, and obviously Joseph will have a, a, a particular view. I guess what I would also say is employ companies like what Joseph works for to help you. Mm. Uh,
0: that's, uh, thank you, that's uh, really interesting. and that- brings us back into you know, what we're talking about, which is the, uh, the two um, parts of the white paper. You know, and we say that very clearly, that uh, you, you know, two-factor authentication or multi-factor authentication processes are key. SMS has had, a I have to say, a, a bit of an unnecessarily bad press over the last couple of years. And um, you know, some of the work that my colleagues do in MEF around the SMS registry, working with UK finance and UK banks and big brands, you know, they trust, you know, if, if SMS is utilised properly as part of an overall solution, it's an extremely effective and ubiquitous solution. So please don't turn away from it on the basis of spurious BBC panorama reports. Um, same sort of question over to, over to you, Joseph. What should What should, um, what should businesses do today Uh, uh, in terms of uh, you know and we we talk about this in the document so um, you know please in the uh, chat uh, if you haven't got it already you can uh, download I think the download links are in there please download it. Uh, Joseph what what should businesses do?
2: Businesses absolutely should act today right now before they go home (laughs) well they're all working from home anyway but you know what I mean Before you go home today, get your favorite um, web search tool out, whether it's um, a very famous one starting with G or another, and Google the three following terms. Ready? Zero trust, adaptive authentication, and dynamic trust. If you take a little time just to uh, do web searches on those three terms, zero trust, adaptive authentication and dynamic trust, you'll begin to see a picture emerge very rapidly about systems and technologies and methods and approaches, standards and architectures, that will really help you make a difference. You should absolutely harden the security perimeter around your business today. You should think about how to let certain people in. In other words, are they expressly permissioned to interact with your systems? If they are expressly permissioned, to what level are they permissioned? You need to think about the possibility that trust can go down as well as up. What do I mean by that? they could transact with you faithfully for a period of months. And then they could do something which is completely out of the ordinary, which will affect your, your um, scoring, if you like, on their trust relationship with you. Look at the banks, look at how they do this. Look at the, the, the payment card processors. look at how they do this. Think about how um, payment card processors will contact you if they see a transaction appearing on your credit card, which looks completely out of character, either because of the geography, the amount, or the place where you're going shopping. It might not be you. And they're very good at picking these things up. Take take some of your cues for your business from these exam players.
0: Okay, thank you, Joseph. I'm sorry to cut across you there, but uh, I think we're, we're on the verge of running out of time. Um, Firstly, I'd like to thank you both for, for joining me today to talk about some of the stuff that we've uncovered in the uh, in the white papers. Uh, I think uh, the examples you just gave there um, of uh, areas of potential research for people on the call could probably feed a whole series of webinars. Uh, MEF are doing a huge amount of work in the coming months, around, uh, particularly around security, uh, that this issue will... Um, uh, address Uh, if you are new to MEF, please feel free to wander around our um, our website there's a a huge amount of resources there that are available to the public not necessarily just to MEF members Um, but if you have any queries relating to this or you'd like any contact of the gentleman join me today please feel free to reach out to me directly Uh, my details are on the website Um, i think i've covered it all um it only really remains for me gentlemen to thank you very much for your time and attention not just today but also in terms of getting the white paper together it was uh, it was a a herculean task made much easier by your involvement so thank you for that sure. um and thank you to everyone who's joined us today from wherever you are in the world uh please um uh, make sure you uh, make a note of Uh, our upcoming webinars they're all on the website Um, I should have put a link in for that and I haven't unfortunately Uh, but please if you're involved in this sector and you'd like to speak MEF is the place to be Uh, please reach out to us directly and thank you very much for your time and attention today take care